0: I'm John Miller, and this is Everybody Trades. And you know what? These past few days, all this controversy, this this attack by the United States military on the Baghdad International Airport, killing a very highly ranked military person of the Iranian government. Well, this is why. This is why we own defense stocks. Indeed, I put my money... Where my mouth is, don't I? Because, well, something I prattle on about on this here show quite often is political power and how that power, the, the ability, the legal right, essentially, the legal privilege in order to take the concentration of power and force, the legal use of force, and use that power on people who have done absolutely nothing wrong and without any sort of trial, any sort of anything like that. Basically without limit is what I'm trying to say. Well, with that, what have we seen? We've seen Donald Trump now, the president of the United States, a guy that certainly as of a week ago, and probably as of now, but certainly as of a week ago I would have said he's got to be the odds-on favorite to be re-elected president, let's be honest. But it, whether you agree with that statement or not, Here's what I'm going to say. I think it's completely insane that Trump would try to, in any way, escalate tensions with Iran. What what in the world do we need another front, another war front? How does this make any sense? And what I'm trying to get at here is political power, again, corrupts the morals and the judgment. And I think in this particular case, if Donald Trump thinks that this is going to help him win re-election, well, I think he's totally incorrect I don't think Americans have a lot of energy for another front another front and war and really honestly you can always you can really make an argument you can say you can make you can easily ask the question is this really a new front even are we looking at a potential new war with Iran or is this really just Iraq war three is that really what this is because again Where this bombing took place, again, the Baghdad International Airport. Now, I'm no geographic expert in the Middle East, but I'm pretty doggone sure that Baghdad is in Iraq. Well, here's what I'm noticing. The media, the government that's putting out all the talking points about the things that happened here, it's basically they're trying to make it seem that it's a coincidence somehow that, oh, well, it just so happens that we had to attack these Iranian people in Iraq. Well, to me, this is obscuring the fact that this is a total epic failure by our entire foreign policy administration because, again, nobody's going to want to hear, no Trump voter even is going to want to hear about Iraq War III at this point. So you know what? Let's spin it into a new conflict. Let's do that. Well, not only is the American voter to me, not going to be nearly as likely to be gung-ho for another version of the Iraq War, for quite obvious reasons. We're also a lot further removed from 9-11 than we were when Iraq War II started. And then on top of that, are other nations as likely to ally with D.C. in Iraq War three. Yeah, I think not. See, this thing, the whole thing of the special relationship with Britain, you know, Bush and that guy, what was his name? Tony Blair, right? Yeah, they were. They had their special relationship, and United States and Britain, those governments, those empires, if you will, in general, were allied for a long time, but it sure seems to me that that particular relationship in light of, well, Donald Trump's presidency and other things, basically Trump telling Germany and U.K. and all these other people to go pound sand as far as funding their governments, which I'm for, all for by the way. If Germany wants a army, they should fund it themselves. But the reality is, is that also creates a lessening of an, an alliance, if you will. There's not going to be as much unilateral support for a theoretical Iran slash Iraq War three. So, in other words. Ultimately, if the United States is going to try to escalate this, they're really stupid and they're going to accomplish absolutely nothing. Now, let's just be clear here before we move forward. Some of you are probably, some of you who are the flag-waving types, the pro-military types that are, I'm going to shoot down some things and I'm sure you're yelling at your telephone right now. Now, in terms of a full-scale war, if you're saying, well, gee, if we actually get into a full-scale war with Iran. The United States will crush them and will wipe out the Iranian regime. Well, you know what? If that's the United States' military goal, if they simply want regime change, yeah, they can probably do that. And in fact, in Iraq War II, well, what did they do effectively? They did get regime change. Now, if you just want change for change's sake, then I guess Iraq War II was a giant success. Because, well, Saddam Hussein's dead. So therefore, win, right? But again, the fact that we're having to bomb an international airport where five other people, along with these, this leader, military leader in Iran and one in Iraq, by the way, again, just showing you what a huge failure this is. Because again, what were we all told? We were all told that Iraq was going to be this shining beacon of democracy, of Western-style leadership. In the Middle East, that was then going to be a stabilizing beacon of hope, essentially, a stabilizing cornerstone for all of the West, for all of just peace, is what we were told, right? Well, guess what? We're now 15 plus years down the road, gosh, 17 years down the road at this point, and Iraq is a total unstable failure. And if anything, it's strengthened the Iranians. Because Saddam Hussein, his regime, total enemies of the Iranian regime. So if strategically, if you wanted those people to sort of cancel each other out, that wasn't the worst thing in the world, if you just want to look at it from that perspective. So again, getting rid of Hussein. Hussein, horrible person. Got rid of him. What did it accomplish? Not a whole lot from our perspective, or certainly from any Iraqi's perspective. And again, I'm not sitting here and telling you that the Iranian regime is a bunch of nice people that we should trust. No, quite the opposite. I'm not they're murderous psychopaths themselves. They're even worse than the American politicians. I'll agree with you there. They're horrible. They're they're ridiculously horrible. I'm not trying to gloss over any of that. What I'm saying is in light of that fact, all the more reason to leave these people alone and to have nothing to do with them whatsoever. See my, where I am in life I'm fine with myself as an American, yourself as an American, any Americans, any free, peaceful, law-abiding person. If you want to trade, have an interaction with some person in Iran, perfect, awesome. You guys should be able to do that, right? But let's have no contact. Let's have no negotiations with the Iranian government other than simply, things that can facilitate trade, facilitate peaceful arrangements. We don't need to be making deals with them, which we aren't, by the way, certainly not in, certainly not since the Obama-Iran Iran deal a few years ago. And we can argue the merits of that as well. My point is, is we should have nothing to do with them in any way whatsoever. No foreign aid and no attacks on airports either. And no No funding Saudi Arabia and helping them to stick their needles and stick their pokers into all of these places like Yemen and Iraq and Iran and all the stuff that Saudi Arabia is doing. Well, guess what? The Saudi Arabians, their regime, they aren't really our friends either. The people in D.C. are stupid enough to think that they are. Maybe the Bush family was stupid enough to think that the Saudis were their friends. But I'm sorry. These people are not our friends. And in fact, yes, it was people from Saudi Arabia, from that country, that came to America, that went to Florida, in fact, and trained to learn how to fly, to learn how to specifically fly planes into the World Trade Center. Well, what just happened recently? What just happened? Once again in Florida, we caught some guys. Finally, finally, after years of them training, they were caught training to fly planes in Florida. So this is the this is the security state that we're relying on. My point is, how about we take some of these resources that we're spending and say this embassy that was attacked, right? America, DC, the government they build, they erect this massive embassy over there in the Middle East. It's run over Iraqi embassy, that is. It's overrun by these supposed Iranian people, and by the way, that's questionable as well. Well, here's the thing. Here's the question we need to ask. See, here's one thing that I've heard. Here's an argument I've heard. In fact, Mark Stein made this argument, and I bring up Mark Stein because I like Mark Stein. I think he's a really funny guy. I think he's an excellent writer, but you know what? By his own admission, He is a what? What does he call himself? An old imperialist, an old world style imperialist that has passed his expiration date. And how Mark Stein sees this is, well, basically the United States is the good guys, right? And if the United States has an embassy in Iraq, that is in fact the United States sovereign territory. And this isn't an exaggeration. What Mark said on the radio this past week is he said, Basically, when, if you allow Iran, anybody, if you allow anybody to attack your embassy, that is essentially like those people storming and attacking and capturing, you know, the intercontinental hotel on Michigan Avenue. It's essentially like a foreign power coming in on Michigan Avenue in Chicago and taking over. Well, I'm sorry. Only a true imperialist, a true statist could really think that way because most normal people cannot even possibly conceive of that comparison. I'm sorry, if if people, if a literal, if tanks from Iran, if fighter jets from Iran were scrambled over Michigan Avenue and suddenly troops, Iranian troops, had taken over Michigan Avenue and Grant Park or something, let's just say in Chicago, a square few miles, Yeah, I could see how almost everybody in America would would view that as an act of war. But I'm sorry, this embassy thing, that's not even close to that. It's just not. And the only way you can really view it is that, is if you believe that history began, what, like a week or two ago? Because you have to ask yourself, again, reverse it. How would Americans respond if Iran suddenly built a giant, embassy in our country what if they built it on michigan avenue see that's really the analogy let's flip it what if iran built an embassy on michigan avenue essentially whether we liked it or not i think americans would rightly view that as an act of aggression and my point is is i think lots of people in iran and yes the people of iran don't necessarily like their leaders at all either again these are tyrannical murderous people They get plenty of enemies in their home country by ruling this way. So all the United States does, all it does, I promise you, by establishing embassies where they aren't wanted, by blowing up wings of airports, by blowing up a terminal of an international airport where, by the way, it's not as though only terrorists use this airport. And I I saw the reported seven people were killed. How many must have been maimed in that? How many people were innocent in that? You think we're creating a lot of friends by doing this? Again, all we're doing is creating a bunch of common allies among people who, has, who have ostensibly been enemies and will go back to being enemies again as soon as the United States gets out of it. Again, you've got Shias, you've got Sunnis, you've got Kurds, you've got all different types of sex and tribes and different groups of people who have had battles and feuds against each other for for centuries, for things that have gone along for longer than the United States has ever even been around. And all you're doing is, is you're somehow getting these people to join together and hate the common enemy of the United States military. Well, I promise you, all we're doing in the Middle East is keeping that area in a perpetual state of war. That's all we're doing. And honestly, in reality, yes, the Middle East, Asia, Europe, really for centuries, that's really all it's been is a perpetual state of war. Hopefully, that part of the world can have its renaissance. Maybe eventually it will. I don't know what exactly that's going to look like, but here's what I know it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like America or Britain or some, some... coalition of all of them coming together to dominate that region, or even less likely to sort of kick out the old guy and hope somehow the new guys that come in, will it'll all sort itself out. We're not going to really give that active of a role. I'm sorry, none of those two scenarios work. What we need is to pull out and just say, you know what, we're done. That's it. That's the solution. Because somebody tell me how this is going to end well. Somebody tell me. And honestly, this idea that, oh, well, you can't withdraw and, and show weakness, uh, that is just a childish idea. And frankly, the reality is, is no, you're actually showing more strength. What we're doing is by when the United States spreads itself too thin, you're actually weakening the military. You're actually weakening your power, your defense capital, if you will. You see, U.S. might should be concentrated in the United States where it can defend itself the most. And if you think about it, if you think about the market and what it does to defend itself, free people, well, what do they do? Well, they con- again, they concentrate their defensive power at home. They buy alarm systems at their house. They buy guns, that sort of thing. What they don't do is dispatch drones across seas or ships or... Any of this other insane crap that the non-market, that the government, that the military seems to engage in every single year and without any sort of end in sight. Yeah, again, every single year we got to spend more and more and more. And if we cut anything from that rate of growth, well, then we're all just a bunch of soft commies then, aren't we, who must hate America. I'm sorry, this insane level of thinking has absolutely got to stop and just... One more tip to get you all out of here: We got to stop just swallowing whatever the talking points that the regime puts out are. And by the regime, I mean whatever regime happens to be in place in America. Whatever the military tells us, whatever the president tells us about these these events and their immediate aftermath, in retrospect is almost always untrue. So let's at the very least, at the very least. Take the official narratives coming from Washington with giant grains of salt and remember that history did not begin a week ago. Look into what's actually happened in these regions and our history in them without just saying, oh, hey, there's an embassy and it got attacked. Oh, I guess we got to attack in kind and uh, start a war. That's just way too simplistic and devoid of context. But you know what? We're never devoid of context on this show. So, until next time, I'm John Miller and thanks again for joining me on Everybody Trades.